Welcome to Proven Improbable. I'm your host, Maurice Jackson. Today we're going to cover a high grade, I should say ultra high grade, Silver Exploration Company with results coming greater than 7,000 grams per ton. They have a commanding land package in the historic Keno Hill Silver District. But before we begin, I'd appreciate if you click the like button, click subscribe, and click the bell. Now, on to today's interview. Welcome to Proven Improbable, where we deliver mining insights and bullion sales in the form of physical delivery, offshore depositories, and private blockchain distributed ledger technology. We are a Yukon-focused silver explorer. We are exploring right now in the advanced district in the Keno Hill, famous historic silver district. It's an exciting time for the company. Our project is located in the central Yukon. We're right on the highway. We've got grid power and we're next to Alexco, who's been operating in the district for years. So it's a great place to be working. The Yukon's one of the preferred jurisdictions, I think, right now globally for exploration. Um, great workforce, great environment. We have put together a land package now that's 166 square kilometers in so the Keno Hill District. The district's produced over 200 million ounces of high-grade silver over the last 100 years, discovered after the Klondike, so it's got this fabulous history. It's a kind of a fun fact. There's more value in silver that came out of the Keno Hill Silver District than all the gold in the Klondike. So it really is a world-class district. It's a great place to be exploring. So it's a great team. We've come together because we want to work on an exciting project. We're excited about being on a project that's a discovery stage opportunity where we can add ounces and create value for shareholders. And we are one of the largest shareholders ourselves. Management collectively owns 25% of the company. Our core expertise is exploration. That's what we've done well is make discoveries, advance deposits, and grow those for shareholders. And that's where we want to stay focused. You've got 200 million ounces of historic production. You've got almost 100 million ounces of new resources. We're on the eastern half of the district. Geologically, there's a possibility here that we could find just as much as has been found on the other side of the district. And in many of the biggest silver camps globally, they've produced over a billion ounces. The deposits to date are all quite shallow by high-grade vein standards at Kino, most of them less than 300 meters from surface. You know, in some places they're mining thousands of meters depth. So I think this is a camp that has a huge forward-going history in terms of new discoveries, and we're one of the groups that's going to be out there making those, hopefully. Our team has between 20 and 30 years' experience for the majors, for the mid-sized explorers and developers. They've been there. They found major discoveries in the region. Uh, you know, our team is credited with the, the huge Donlin Creek discovery in Alaska, the Galore Creek uh, deposit, copper gold in BC, well green expansion in, in, in the area. So we bring a track record of discovery success to the table. We've chosen to work together because we've worked together in the past. And I think that's something that eventually will pay off for our shareholders and investors as well.
Welcome to Proven Improbable. I'm your host, Maurice Jackson. Joining us for a conversation today is Greg Johnson of the Metallic Group of Companies. Mr. Johnson, welcome to the show, sir. Hey, it's great to be back again. Pleasure to have you back on the program, sir. We brought you on today to provide us with some exciting updates that are occurring simultaneously within the Metallic Group of Companies as each company, respectively, continues to demonstrate their proof of concept and also to discuss the exciting recent results and developments with Metallic Minerals. Mr. Johnson, for someone new to the Metallic Group of Companies, please introduce us and share the opportunities they present for shareholders. Well, we have had the opportunity over the last couple of years, Maurice, to bring together a, a group of very experienced explorationists uh, to kind of step back, recognizing, um, you know, a couple over the last couple of years that we've had this bear market cycle, that we were going through a consolidation period, and to kind of look at um, the experiences that we had in the past that were so successful. Um, myself, I'm one of the original co-founders at Nova Gold. And many of the people with me uh, in the Metallic Group are former uh, Nova Gold alumni who were involved in the acquisitions and expansion of those assets. We also have some great people, uh, including some folks from Ivanhoe and Stillwater Mining and Goldfields and just a really terrific group that's got a long track record of successful exploration. And we kind of stood back and said, okay. Uh, the last cycle ran from 2000 to 2011 was the peak, uh, and then we've gone through a bear market from 2011 to you know the beginning of that, kind of the beginning of the end of that, if you will, was uh, end of 2015, and now we've been going sideways for the last several years, and it looks like uh, to me and to many analysts in the sector that you know we're just in the beginning phases of what could turn into a, a multi-year bull market, and. You know, we looked around and we said, you know, what were those key elements at Nova Gold that really stood out and allowed us to create value? And and Maurice, those included the fact that we had come through a bear market, the market had consolidated, and that we had positioned that group into assets that had the potential to be tier one assets at the bottom of the metal price cycle. Uh, and then basically we're ready to, you know, really move on them as the cycle started to take off in 2001. And, you know, that was just a, a tremendous period of, of value creation. So in the metallic group, um, what we've, we've done this time is, you know, looking around at the opportunities, the things that have come to the fore have been not really large greenfields assets in very re remote locations, but in this in this cycle, what we've been seeing are these opportunities to go into brownfields districts, districts where you already have producing mines, you already have infrastructure, you already have a mill and power and all those things that make uh, project development you know, straightforward and low cost. And we've been able to go after assets uh, that had they been controlled by majors, they would have already acquired all the ground in the district around them. But because these were smaller companies, there were district scale land positions uh, around these producing assets that we were able to pick up. Uh, in often cases, it was through a number of acquisitions um, and in which we saw the potential for, for a tier one asset uh, with the application of some new exploration models and new technologies. Um, we were able to do that at the bottom of the metal price cycle, so very similar to, to Nova Gold. 
And, you know, with those assets now in place in the three metallic group companies, we think we're uniquely positioned uh, to be able to advance these assets in gold and silver with metallic minerals, in platinum group metals and battery metals with group 10 metals, and in copper and gold with the newest company in our group, uh, Granite Creek Copper. You know, you say that conservatively, but if you look at the business acumen for anyone listening to our conversation right now, the commanding land packages that you have, they are remarkable. And it just goes to show you that the combination of these synergies with proven professionals within the metallic group of companies with key acquisitions during the low part of a metal price cycle, uh, you're going to basically be, you know, the, the opportunity to maximize shareholder returns is just brilliant and the probability is certainly increased with your management team here. Mr. Johnson, can you provide us with some examples of how these opportunities came together and what distinguishes the metallic group of companies from their peers? Yeah, I mean, as, as I indicated, you know, uh, many of the people involved in the group were part of the original Nova Gold team. And so we, we look back on that um, experience and, and really tried to, to say, you know, what were the factors that really um, made a difference in terms of that just tremendous value creation? And if I can take just a second, Maurice, to just kind of walk through, uh, you know, the Nova Gold assets and, and the history there just a little bit. And then we'll, we'll touch a bit on, on how we're applying a similar approach, not exactly the same, but a similar approach in terms of strategy with the Metallic Group. Um, you know, in those early days at, at Nova Gold, uh, it may be hard to believe when you look at a company today that has a three and a half billion U.S. dollar market cap. But those were companies the same size as Metallic Minerals Group 10 or, or Granite Creek uh, back in 2001. Um, but we were positioned at that bear market cycle, very similar to today, to be able to go after the first asset being the, the Donlin Gold asset, which today is a 50-50 partnership with Barrick and Nova Gold. We picked that asset up at the bottom of the gold market cycle in 2001. And over a period of the next several years, saw massive expansion, a fourfold expansion of that resource base to some 40 million ounces of reserves. Um, and just huge value creation during that period because all the ingredients were in place. We were in the right part of the market cycle. We had the right team in place. Uh, and we had an asset that was big enough to be of difference to a major mining company and therefore the market paid attention. And so... Over those, those next couple of years, we just saw you know, tremendous new interest come in. The second asset um, that we identified was the Galore Creek Copper Gold Silver asset. We picked this up at the bottom of the copper market cycle in 2003 from Rio Tinto. Uh, today, that's 50-50 owned by Newmont and Tech. It's in the final permitting and construction phases. You know, When you look at the value uh, of their purchase, plus the money invested in that asset, it's, it's over a billion dollar asset. Uh, so again, illustrating from those humble beginnings the, the kind of value creation that's, that's, that's possible. The third opportunity that came along in the Nova Gold scenario was uh, the Ambler asset, which is now in Trilogy Metals, which was a spin out out of Nova Gold, originally Nova Copper. Uh, and we picked that up at the bottom of the zinc market cycle. Um, expanded the resource significantly, advanced that through the various engineering phases, just like the other two, to de-risk it and create value. And today, Trilogy alone has a $300 million U.S. market cap. And when you look at the commitments by their partner, South32, 
um, you know, they're going to spend another 150 to 200 million dollars. So again, another half a billion dollars in, in value. So it really illustrates how much value can be created uh, in these situations. So you take the metallic group today, many of the people that were responsible for the acquisitions and the expansion and de-risking of those assets. And what we've done is we've gone after um, four unique opportunities. The first one in second half of 2016 in metallic minerals. This was to acquire the other half of the Keno Hill Silver District, one of the world's highest grade silver camps. Uh, we picked up and consolidated that district. And the targets that we're looking at here um, are you know, similar to recent discoveries in the district, but effectively 50 million ounce plus deposits for silver, high grade. And we see the potential to create value similar to the operating company, Alexco, who currently has about a $400 million market cap. And at the peak of the last cycle, Maurice, they were a billion dollar company. Um, the second opportunity that came into the metallic group uh, was to go after the lower Stillwater complex. Um, in 2017, at the bottom of the platinum and nickel price, um, we picked up this, this asset, uh, recognizing the potential that it could host disseminated bulk tonnage nickel, copper, platinum group element deposits similar to what are being explored for in South Africa by Ivanhoe and Anglo in some of what are the most profitable platinum mines in the world. Just a few months after we announced that acquisition, Murray's, um, Sabanier acquires Stillwater Mines, a company similar in size to Alexco for $2.2 billion uh, for the two mines that were above, and they've since developed a third mine. So it really kind of daylights and crystallizes the value um, that we recognized as well. The third opportunity came in in 2018 with the Stu project. This is in the CarMax Minto Copper Belt. Uh, originally discovered by Alexco's predecessor, United Kingdom Hill Mines, but uh, later developed by Capstone Mining. At one time, the Minto mine was the highest grade open pit copper mine in the world. Um, we see the potential here, uh, a piece of property that's been really off the market for more than 50 years, but has the same geologic characteristics as the Minto mine or the Carmax mine to the south. And we see the opportunity here for a billion pound copper system, similar to what's already been produced at Minto, uh, that would come along with significant uh, gold and silver uh, credits. And so kind of what's our target for value? We, you know, we think you could create a, um, a, a Minto uh, capstone type market value with uh, further exploration there. So pretty exciting. Uh, the fourth opportunity that came into the group was the La Plata asset. And this one is really quite interesting. It's kind of a hybrid between a Keno Hill Silver District with high-grade silver and gold, and at the center of the district, a precious metals-rich porphyry system, very similar to Galore Creek, which our team was um, really part of the, the key expansion and advancement of. So this is a, a great fit for you know our team's expertise. Uh, what we see here is a combination of significant silver and gold precious metal systems and potentially a bulk tonnage type system at the center uh, based on historic drilling work by Rio Tinto and Freeport in the district. And so we're excited to, to see uh, this asset move forward. And again, a benchmark for, for value might be, you know, kind of Alexco slash Galore Creek in terms of a, a comparable. Um, so. You know, we've had a, a, a great opportunity to see um, assets of 
what we think have the potential to be tier one assets for the majors come into the portfolio, get dedicated to these individual companies um, that have this focus in silver and gold, in the platinum group metals and copper. Uh, we have some shared um, costs that keep the cost low between the three companies um, with a shared back office, CFO and accounting team and dedicated technical teams to each of these metal types and, and really significant expertise. So we, we think this is a fairly unique situation. There are other groups that you know have groups of companies, but I think the metallic group is, is kind of uniquely uh, situated in the sense that we have a common strategy a common approach to the acquisition of these assets that in and of themselves will have strategic value next to these operating mines. Um, and we're excited to be taking these uh, these projects forward in each of the three metallic group companies. You provided some historical context in reference to the market timing uh, for Nova Gold. And let's see how that fits into the narrative here, because things have been basically a roller coaster since the early part of 2016 when we had a major run that fizzled out only to resume a couple years later and, and now here we are in 2020 where we are in uncharted and unprecedented times. Greg, where do you see the metals markets going, base and precious metals respectively? Yeah, I think that's a that's a really interesting question. If we if we maybe um, bring in a, a couple of charts here to, to illustrate, there's a great chart that was put together by the Incrementum Group that does a really good job of illustrating these long-term commodity cycles and and where we are. You know, in this chart, they've taken uh, the Goldman Sachs Commodity Index and they've divided it by the S&P 500 to give you. Uh, kind of a reference for relative value between commodities and, and the broad market equities. And what this chart does a great job of showing is that since 1970, we've kind of had three major commodity cycles. Uh, the most recent one um, starting in the 1999-2001 bear market um, and really culminating in a bear market that's, we believe, just just wrapping up now. Um, and, and that those cycles are multi-year in, in length and that even prior to the market um, crash or instability that we saw back here just recently in March, already commodities with this benchmark were at one of the lowest real prices in, in decades. Um, and so, you know, the adage of, you know, if you're going to do well, you want to buy low and sell high. We don't know exactly where we are in that cycle. We have good indications that very similar to 1999-2001 were at the beginnings of a multi-year market, but we're certainly nowhere near a top for commodities. And mining and precious metals in particular, I think, is in a pretty unique position, a position you only see kind of once every decade or so um, in terms of value in this market. And I think there's a, there's a tremendous opportunity with what's happening with the central banks and probably what's going to happen in order to stimulate the global economies, that we're going to move towards fiscal stimulation that's going to include infrastructure development. And I think that's going to be good starting with precious metals and later to move into the base metals. And Maurice, if we drill down in more detail to this last cycle, for, so for this period from, say, 1995 to, to present, we saw a trough period in the commodity sector uh, in that 1999-2001. Of course, um, your listeners will recall that was the dot-com bubble when those equities were very highly valued. And, of course, um, mining shares and commodities were 
were out of favor. And what you can see uh, in this in this second more detailed chart, we've broken out that Goldman Sachs Commodity Index into its three main components, uh, energy shown in orange, base metals in green, and the precious metals in the purple. So you can see that the, in the exact timing of the lows and highs uh, aren't exactly the same. There's some differences there, but in general, they troughed in the 99-2001 period. They peaked in the mid to late 2000s, and they all rolled over together in a bear market that um, many analysts say the first uh, period of, of kind of the, the bottom of that market was in late 2015, early 2016. It's been moving laterally since then. And the precious metals are indicating that we look to be building on a new, likely multi-year cycle. Uh, and we think there's a lot of similarities with that cycle back in 99 to the current cycle. Just coming out of a major bear market, uh, undervaluation, underinvestment in this precious metals and mining sector in general, uh, and that things are getting started with the precious metals as the lead, like they did in, uh, in that last cycle. And base metals, you know, there's probably going to be a bit of a lag, but we think that likelihood is that they're going to kick in uh, as well. And that, you know, investors have one of these uh, opportunities um, currently in the sector to be getting in at what may be um, one of those, those rare situations that come along every decade or so. The market conditions are shaping up to what may be one of those historic opportunities. And given what you shared, a lot of these stocks are still massively discounted, despite the moves we've seen so far year to date. Let's discuss the value proposition before us in small cap exploration development shares, and in particular, the metallic group of companies. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think you, you raise a good point. I mean, oftentimes investors recognize that the small cap um, shares can, can have greater leverage and, and greater gains. And if we look specifically in the mining space, um, we've got this chart here that illustrates large cap, mid cap and small cap mining. Um, since the peak of the last cycle in 2011, uh, we've used the GDX as the large cap shares the GDXJ, which is 400 million market cap and, and higher uh, as the mid cap, and then the venture index is the, a really good index reference for small and micro cap. What we can see is we've been going sideways since 2016, um, you know, coming out of that bear market, that even with the recent market turbulence, the large cap shares as they're showing free cash flow and growth in earnings and potentially expanded dividends are starting to attract new investment. Uh, we can see that the GDX has now surpassed its, its values from late last year. The GDXJ has, has gotten to the same level and is starting to, to break out again. Uh, it's early days on the small cap names and they're, they're just you know, starting to, to rebound as well. But if we look back historically, um, you know, the mid caps on a percentage basis are likely to pass, surpass the large caps uh, and the micro cap, small cap names just to get back to their previous bull market ranges, you know, may need to see many multiples uh, to get back. And we would anticipate that as this market matures, more interest will flow into those, those smaller cap, you know, names. You know, if you take an example, Maurice, a Barrick or a Newmont. Could they double or triple from here? Sure, that's possible. Are they going to go up five or tenfold? Probably not likely. But these smaller cap names, because of their, their really heavily discounted value that they were trading at, 
and the potential through exploration, you know, these names have much more leverage and could really result in kind of turbocharging people's portfolio if they've selected high quality names in the space. Let's do a compare and contrast, if we could, with Nova Gold and uh, the gains they delivered to shareholders versus their peers. Yeah, looking back at that past cycle, um, if we look at uh, the metals themselves um, in that period, let's say from 2001 to the first half of uh, the metal price rise in 2007, um, you saw that the metal prices for gold and copper went up three to sixfold. You saw that the large cap um, ETF like the GDX or XAU went up um, tenfold. But because of the resource definition, expansion, and de-risking that you saw in Nova Gold, you saw returns for early investors as high as 100x, so 10 times the performance of those broad indices in that situation. And we're not arguing today that we're looking at another Nova Gold necessarily, but it really illustrates the kind of leverage uh, that, that kind of pre-production company can deliver in the right market conditions with the right asset and the right team. One of the many shared virtues and a common theme of the metallic group of companies is that they provide speculators exposure to different commodities all located in North America in prolific, high-grade mining jurisdictions. All three have the objective to table a maiden 43-101 resource in the next 12 to 24 months, and all three are planning to drill this year, and all three have key news flow expected. Talk about exciting times. Yeah, it really is. Um, we're already starting to see investors who haven't been looking at the mining space, Maurice, for you know five, sometimes 10 years, coming back and recognizing uh, the caliber of these assets in the metallic group companies, uh, the potential uh, the background of the team and the track record of success. Um, and so it really is exciting times for, for shareholders uh, of the companies. And I think investors who are first, you know, just maybe just now looking at uh, the exploration development space. Sorry for the interruption, folks, but I just want to remind you, if you check the description box below, you're going to find links for everything we're covering in today's interview, plus one or maybe two independent research reports regarding the metallic minerals. Now, back to the interview. Let's move to Metallic Minerals, the first company in the group, which was launched in mid-2016 with the initial acquisition of your high-grade, or should I say ultra-high-grade, in fact, silver company. Since then, you've added a second very high-quality asset in Colorado. Now, one company with two very exciting projects with very promising potential. Take us to the Yukon first and share the recent developments at the Kino Silver Project. Yeah, so Keno Hill Silver District is one of the highest grade silver districts in the world. It's had this tremendous history of nearly 300 million ounces of past production and current resources. Um, you've got the recent discoveries by the operating company, Alexco Resources in the district that really have demonstrated uh, the potential in this district for, for new discoveries. Metallic has built over the last several years, the second largest land position in the district, consolidating that district alongside uh, of Alexco, uh, and recently uh, have been announcing some of our advancements as we've prioritized the uh, targets, moved several into advanced stage development, and have identified new discoveries of large-scale earlier stage targets that we're advancing in parallel. 
Mr. Johnson, Metallic Minerals caught speculators' attention last week with their press release discussing new modeling along with a long-channel sample coming in at over 7,000. Let me repeat that for our audience members. Over 7,000 grams per ton silver last week uh, from the Kino Silver Project. Put that into context for us. Yeah, that was an exciting news release uh, on our Western Kino targets, including the, the Formo, uh, which was an area that had a historic open pit mine um, at surface, right on the highway, uh, and several levels of um, exploration uh, development. Um, and those channel samples on those three levels you know, basically illustrate uh, that we have grades of over 1,000 grams per ton. Uh, which are very significant grades uh, for any silver deposit, and that we have several shoots that are open at depth, uh, a long trend, and are on trend with um, some of the biggest producers in, in the district. So uh, we're going to be announcing additional results um, uh, on some of the other target areas, including the expansion work on the East Kino targets, uh, where we've defined another 10 multi-kilometer targets. So it, it really is an exciting time for, for the company and particularly for the Kino Silver Project. Your neighbor in the uh, Kino Hill District, Alexco Resources, looks like they're going to be restarting uh, production soon. Where does Kino Hill fit into the global silver picture in terms of silver grade, production, and potential? Yeah, we understand that, uh, you know, Alexco is waiting for that final permit to restart production, that that could uh, land at any time. Um, you know, we point to the tremendous geologic work that they've done over the last several years. They built a hundred million ounce resource in that district uh, in measured and indicated and inferred uh, resources. And they've really demonstrated that this historic district has a lot more to be discovered um, geologically, the Kino District, one of the closest analogs is the Coeur d'Alene Silver District in Idaho. A lot of your listeners might be familiar with Coeur d'Alene, a number of major mining companies uh, who come from there, including Coeur. Um, and that district has produced over a billion ounces of silver from similar type high-grade vein systems. They are mining at three kilometers depth uh, in the Coeur d'Alene District, the deepest mine in Kino Hill was 300 meters depth. So we really are just getting started. Uh, last year, Alexco drilled some of the deepest holes in the district at, at 400 meters, and then a couple of test holes at, at five and 600 meters showing that mineralization keeps going. And we would anticipate as a similar system that uh, with further exploration, it's gonna continue to go to depth. But we, we see Kino as lining up with some of those major kind of, you know, uh, silver districts of the world, Coeur d'Alene, some of the ones in Mexico and South America. And it's really just underexplored uh, for its potential. But with our recent acquisitions and consolidation along Alexco, we're, we're very bullish on the opportunity there. What is on the deck for the Kino project over the next three to six months? So we are, as we speak, mobilizing our teams to the to the sites, to the field. Um, we're going to be kicking off activities. Uh, we'll be drilling uh, both on the advanced stage targets at Kino as, as well as uh, doing refinement uh, test work, including geophysics on some of the early stage targets in anticipation of also drilling some of those early stage targets with the first reconnaissance. So 
it's going to be an exciting field program. We've got a series of news events that are um, in progress for Kino Hill, and, and we look forward to updating um, you know, our, our shareholders and the, and the market on that news from Kino Hill. Moving south, Metallic Minerals made a strategic acquisition last fall in the southwestern United States with the La Plata project. What developments are going on there right now? Yeah, we are quite excited about La Plata. Um, it shares many similarities with, with Kino Hill as a historic high-grade silver and gold producing district. It also has many similarities with Nova Gold's uh, former Galore Creek project. And uh, so as a high precious metal porphyry system, um, we're excited about the combined potential of those um, high-grade precious metal targets as well as those bulk tonnage copper, silver, gold targets in, in the district. The district really hasn't seen any modern exploration since the 1970s. It was held uh, by Freeport um, up until the market low for copper in 2002, when the two parties that we acquired it from uh, signed the agreement to purchase it at the bottom of the market cycle. And so we're really the first company to be have the privilege of doing systematic exploration uh, at the La Plata project, uh, and we just see tremendous opportunity there to build on uh, and add value to in addition to what we're doing at Kino Hill. Truly impressive to see the opportunity like La Plata in terms of exploration potential and great infrastructure. This seems like the perfect fit for metallic minerals. Uh, please take us through the next steps as far as the La Plata project, and what do you have in store for us? Yeah, so um, shortly after the acquisition that we announced last October, uh, we kicked off the first modern exploration programs uh, in the district. Um, this winter, we've been doing uh, block model uh, modeling on the drilling and our own recent sampling. Uh, and we expect to be able to deliver uh, the results from that. But the, you know, just I can say, we're already seeing this is a multi-kilometer scale system. Uh, we're seeing significant precious metals enrichment in the district outside of the porphyry system itself. And the modeling work that we're doing on the drilling and surface sampling above the porphyry system suggests we've, we've really got something quite special here. Uh, and we're excited to be applying some of the same tools that have been so successful at Kino Hill uh, on the La Plata project. Switching gears, Mr. Johnson, please share the current capital structure for Metallic Minerals. So we're in pretty good shape here, Maurice. We've got 100 million shares outstanding. Um, we are funded with cash in the bank of about $3 million and no debt to be able to complete the next major milestones on the company without needing to raise uh, additional capital. Um, we have the luxury that if the market continues to be robust, if we want to accelerate our activities, that we could take in additional capital, but we're really well positioned to do what we need to do uh, on these projects with that objective of being able to move towards first resources uh, for metallic minerals uh, here over the next year. Um, and I'm, I'm really quite excited about that position. What would you like to say to current and prospective shareholders regarding the opportunity that is before us right now? You know, I, I think... Um, when we look at the sector, uh, this is an exciting time for investors who are just starting to look at the mining space or maybe have been in the mining space, especially when looking at some of the high quality exploration development stage names. These companies are still vastly undervalued coming out of a you know nine plus year bear market. Um, and we believe based on uh, you know the analysts that we follow, 
that all of the pathway ahead looks like we're moving into a multi-year bull market, very similar to that 1999-2001 low, and that this is a real opportunity for investors to get exposure to the sector and particularly to better quality precious metals focused names like um, metallic minerals. Um, you know, silver is still barely off its lows. If you look at the relative value of silver to gold, you know, we recently saw uh, that silver to gold ratio spike at 120 ounces of silver per ounce of gold. Historically, the silver gold ratio has been more like 50 to one. Uh, so silver is vastly undervalued relative to gold. We don't think gold is, is overvalued. We think gold is going to continue building on what have been higher highs and higher lows. But we think there's the opportunity that silver could significantly outperform gold as it starts to catch up, uh, as it has done in, in other cycles. You know, you and I were having a discussion about silver stackers, uh, those that advocate strong positions in physical bullion. And I shared at the intermediary level, you would only have the physical bullion. At the advanced level is when you take a look at companies that have a proven pedigree of success with track record, uh, like metallic minerals that are silver focused. So again, for someone who's a silver stacker, we encourage you to take a look at the following links that are in the description box below for both the metallic group of companies and metallic minerals. Mr. Johnson, thank you for coming on the program today. It's been a real pleasure, sir. Thank you very much, Maurice. It's been great to talk with you again and uh, look forward to uh, hearing from you again and perhaps from some of your listeners. All the best to you, sir. And as a reminder, I'm a licensed representative for Miles Franklin Precious Metals Investments, where we have a number of options to expand your precious metals portfolio from physical delivery, offshore depositories, and precious metal IRAs. Call me directly at 855-505-1900 or you may email maurice at milesfranklin.com. Finally, please subscribe to Proven and Probable, where we provide mining insights and bullion sales. Subscription is free. The information presented on Proven and Probable is provided for educational and informational purposes only, without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, completeness, or fitness for any particular purpose. The information is not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice, or any other advice. You should not make any financial, investment, or trading decision based on any of the information presented without first undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional broker or competent financial advisor.